Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Gospel according to John, chapter number 1 and verse 35. Gospel of John 1 and verse 35. How many is going to help me for the next little while here this evening? I believe the Lord wants to speak to us. How many feels that you need to be spoken to by the Lord? Praise God. Amen. John chapter number 1 and verse 35. And again... The next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak follow, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah's which is being interpreted the Christ. 42, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, when those words are used, I I get a picture in my mind that there was more than just a brief, casual observance of who was standing before him. But you kind of get the picture that Jesus is sizing this man up, this one that looks beyond, this one that sees beyond the surface that looks deep into the heart of a person is looking at Simon Peter and he beheld him and said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. I want you to note that verse. It says, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And I want to preach for your consideration tonight with the Lord's help. Thou art, but thou shalt be. Thou art, but thou shalt be. Amen. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray together that the Lord would touch and help us and strengthen us through his word tonight. Let's pray for his anointing to take control and total dominion over the rest of this service. Jesus, we thank you, God, so much for everything we've experienced and felt thus far in this service. Thank you, Lord, that we had the opportunity to come, worship, pray, seek after you. It's the time for the hearing of the Word of God, and I pray that some way the Word of God can minister to the needs that are in this congregation this evening. Every person that is gathered here, let them be touched by the power of the Holy Ghost. 
We thank you and praise you for it. In the name of Jesus, would you give him glory and praise right now? Hallelujah. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. The Christian life is all about becoming. It's all about growing in God. And as I have said even this morning, it's about the progress that we make in walking with him day by day. You've heard me say this before, but when it comes to the things of the Spirit, it is not a static venture. It's not something that just stays in its place or stays still. But every reference that I see to the Spirit of God, it's a flowing thing. It's a moving thing. And uh, we have to move with it. We want to be sensitive to it. We talk about getting in the flow or the vein of the Spirit and in the Holy Ghost and being sensitive to what God is wanting to do. We know that God is often uh, on the move, and it's up to us uh, to be able to detect what it is that He's wanting to do in that service and uh, adapt to that and become sensitive to that and get in the flow and the current of what God is doing. I see miracles in the New Testament, one after another, where, where Jesus would ask people to do things that would get them out of the place where they was. And sometimes it almost seemed ridiculous to the person that he was saying it to or maybe those that were observing. And we may even wonder what the point of it was. I'll tell you what the point was, is he didn't want anyone to just feel like you could stay where you are, be comfortable where you are, and continue to receive what you need to receive from God. How many knows that any time you've received anything from the Lord, it's required you being willing to step out, to stretch your faith. You, you had to be willing to pray. You had to be willing to extend. You had to be willing uh, uh, to open up and sometimes had to be willing to do things that was uncomfortable for your flesh. How many knows that worship many times, most of the time if it's true worship, is, is uncomfortable for the flesh? Prayer is about crucifying the flesh many times and, and uh, dying out to the ultimate will of God. And when we get in the spirit of prayer, as we talk about, and the flow of prayer, prayer, of course, becomes easy. But sometimes we have to do our part as far as dying out to this old will, this old man, this old flesh, and getting it out of the way. This flesh will, will hinder the flow of the Holy Ghost. This flesh keeps me from advancing in what God wants to do in my life. It hinders me receiving what I desire and what I long to receive from God. Many times uh, that is why God asks us and challenges us to be willing to step out and to do more. And uh, if you go to church and it never challenges you, I, I dare say that you've really not been to church. Amen. A true church, an apostolic church is going to challenge you. It's going to challenge your lifestyle. It's going to challenge where you are. It's going to demand that there be personal and spiritual growth in you. Amen. It's going to demand that you be willing to exercise your faith because faith that is just dormant will die. Amen. Faith has to be exercised. The Bible talks about that. 
it, it tells us that there were those that through the exercising of their faith, they become more sensitive to the things of God. Through use, they become more sensitive to the things of God. It is required of us that we use and exercise the measure of faith that has been placed within each of us that God has given to us when we receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost, was born again, amen, we received a measure of faith. Some people say, I want God to increase my faith. Well, I'm going to tell you that's going to require something of you. Amen. That's going to require, and, and there's a responsibility attached to that. Amen. You ask God to increase your faith. There may be some trials. There may be some resistance. There may be some challenges in your life. And none of those are so big and so great that they can't be overcame. But maybe God wants us to exercise that faith so that that faith could grow stronger. That's how faith increases is us using our faith and extending our faith and stretching our faith. Amen. And so when you come to the house of God and, and it isn't just easy all the time and it just doesn't feel like all of heaven fell and, and you didn't receive automatically the blessing that you felt like you were going to receive don't despair don't give up God is testing your resolve and he wants to know are you willing to use that measure of faith that I have given to you sometimes worship is a struggle for you and I matter of fact I see it strongly attached to sacrifice in the Bible throughout the Old Testament if there was true worship that was going forth there was sacrifice being given on the altar can I tell you that many times those sacrifices were burnt offerings, which was a complete sacrifice. That didn't mean just a portion. That didn't mean just a little bit. That meant an unencumbered, complete sacrifice of everything. I want to tell you, if you want to get God's attention, you really want God to move in your life, sometimes you got to be willing to give a burnt sacrifice, as it were. you got to be willing to give wholly and completely to God. You can't say, well, God, I'm just going to give a portion. I'm just going going to give a little bit and I hope you bless me a whole lot but if you really desire something from the Lord sometimes it requires that I spend every bit of energy that I have sometimes it it requires that I go a little further than what is comfortable for me in my flesh and say God I want you to move and work I need a miracle in my life Oh, now, if you don't need anything from God, I suppose you could just sit there. If you don't need anything from the Lord, I suppose you don't have to do it. And if you really don't need a touch from God, I suppose you can be half-hearted about it. But there's folks in this place, and I dare say there's people that are going to need Him in the future that don't even realize that they're going to need Him in the future. Amen. So when we come to the house of God, amen, I think we ought to make an investment. We ought to realize this is is my opportunity even if I don't have a large or significant need in my life right now there may be a day when I do so I want to lay up treasures I right now want to take advantage of the opportunity that God has afforded me and give up myself hallelujah hallelujah cup your hands to the Lord and give him praise 
I'm so thankful that I can preach to you tonight uh, that whatever you are and whatever you have been before coming to God, it doesn't have to be the end of the story. That doesn't have to be the last chapter of your life or the concluding chapter of your life. It doesn't matter how dismal your life was before you came to God. It doesn't just get a little bit better or there's just not a little bit of improvement and that's it. And that's all that God can do. But God can radically change a person's life so that the end looks so much different than the beginning. Amen. There's such a contrast of a person that has really found God and that is a child of God and that's been born again. There's such an extreme contrast, amen, that takes place in a person's life that has found the Lord. I'm talking about truly getting full of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about really getting a hold of God and having a real change in their life, a conversion as we call it. When that happens, something is birthed in you. As Paul said in the book of Galatians, amen, something is formed in you. Amen. There's something that takes place in our lives that we couldn't do on our own, that we couldn't find by ourselves, that we couldn't achieve or accomplish when we were left to our own. But God, He measured out His grace to us. God God blessed. God helped. God was good. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the mercies of God that reached down to where you was and drew you to an altar? You didn't deserve it. Amen. You weren't worthy of it. But I'm thankful that God didn't look just at the exterior and say that's all. There's no potential there. But God looked beyond the shell. God looked beyond the superficial things that sometimes, amen, only humans see. And he said, I see something there, amen, that is worth saving. I see something there, amen, of what they can become and what they can be in my kingdom. I'm here tonight because God is gracious, because God is good, amen, because God has been so merciful to me. Amen. Come on, let's give him some praise right now. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 said, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Talking about two things concerning you and I's faith. Amen. And when it's talking about our faith, it's talking about our journey here of living for God. Said he's the author, he's the initiator, he's the one that begins it, he's the one that creates it in the first place. And he's the one that's able to bring it to a good finish. Amen. Uh, not just start something and give up. Not just began something and quit. That is not the will of God. But when God reached down, I want you to hear this. When God reached down and pulled you out of sin, he wanted to pull you out and he wanted you to never return to that. He didn't want you to go back to that. He didn't want you to have to succumb to that again. Amen. When the tempter comes by and tries to wave those things and, 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 and try to lure you back with the things that you used to be and entice you with the things that you once were, were easily enticed by and given to in your flesh. Oh, 
you could be able to stand and look him square in the eyes and say, no, I found something greater and more wonderful than anything that you ever offered me or you ever gave me. I got the Holy Ghost. I got the peace of God on the inside. I found something worth living for. Praise God. Amen. And that, that began something. He, he authored something in my life. He began a story in my life. Oh, there's a lot of twists and turns that go with a story. There's a lot of things that can happen on the Christian journey. There's a lot of things that we don't understand that can transpire. We don't understand sometimes when death comes and why it comes sometimes without us even being prepared for it. It's unexpected. Sometimes a life is snuffed out prematurely and we don't understand it and I see many of you here that have experienced that that heartache I I know and and I feel your pain and there's a lot of twists and turns in the story of life but aren't you thankful that life doesn't end there when tragedy comes life doesn't end there when heartache comes life doesn't end there when when weeping comes to us it endures for a little while but it doesn't end there amen but the author still has the power of the pen in his hand and he's still writing the story and he said I've got a conclusion in mind I've got a final chapter that I want to write concerning this life it may have started and there may have been a lot of twists and turns and bends in the road and there may be some troubles and there may be some heartaches and there may be some despair along the way death may visit and sickness may visit and there may be trials and there may be troubles but if they'll stay with me if they'll continue to have faith in me I've got a finish that is glorious I've got a finish to this story that is awesome I've got a finish amen I've got a chapter that I want to write that is a chapter of victory and triumph amen I'm going to give them overcoming power if they just continue to walk on with me oh yes come on let's give some praise unto our king tonight Our text, Jesus called, is starting or beginning to call his disciples. We know that when John the Baptist saw him here in this text, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which cometh to take away the sin of the world. And he explained to them, and he had been preaching to them, There's one coming after me who's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He must increase and I must decrease. And so you're going to begin to follow him. Not everybody caught that initially. But there was one young man in this group by the name of Andrew that did get the message. And understood what was being said. And from that moment began to follow the Lord. And he had a brother, evidently. The brother of Andrew, Simon Peter, had not really been an engaged follower of John the Baptist. Or at least we don't see any real evidence of that here. But he was just a fisherman, and he worked on the sea in the boat, fishing day after day. That was his life. And when he met Jesus, or Andrew met Jesus, there was something that he distinctly realized that was different about this man. He said, this is the Messiah. This is the one that we've been praying and looking for and desiring to see, and now he is here. And he immediately... Immediately 
after recognizing this and receiving this revelation for himself, and this is indicative of anybody that really sees the Lord as they should, he wanted to tell somebody else about Jesus. He wanted to let somebody else know that there is a Lord that is able to save us, amen, that has come and that he is what we've been hoping for and praying for all of this time. And so he said, I want you to come and, and meet Jesus. And when he come, the Bible tells us that Simon Peter arrived and Jesus beheld him. And, and again, I, I just pick up from this that he is he's examining him closely. And he holds or he fixes his gaze upon him. And he's looking into the heart of this man. And then he begins to speak. And notice what he says. He said, thou art called Simon. He said, son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas. And, and so we see this is the beginning of this great ministry. This is the beginning of great things. We like to preach about Simon Peter and the great preaching on the day of Pentecost. We like to we like to proclaim and be encouraged by the ministry of this man and how that he is one of the founding fathers of the New Testament church. He is one of those great men that is a writer in the New Testament. But I want you to look and examine how it all got started with this man. And I want you to see there was some things that he had to endure. There was some things that he had he had to survive, if you will, in his development, in his journey to become what the Lord wanted him to become. Uh, he was first, of course, called called Simon, but he said, "You're going to be called Cephas." There's a there's not much in that phrase between. Between those two names, uh, there's not a lot there. Uh, we, we, it looks like a short distance to you and I. It just looks like one verse of Scripture, and we don't think a lot about it. But I'm going to tell you, it was a long journey from be being Simon Peter to becoming Cephas. There was a long journey of development that took place there. And so I want to examine the life of Simon Peter for just a few moments, and I want, you to sh I want to show you these things. In John chapter number 6, it starts off with a bang. I mean, this is one of those glorious chapters, one of the longer chapters in the book of John. And, and we see that it starts out with a great and mighty miracle that we still preach and think about often and how that the Lord, anytime we want to preach to somebody and encourage someone that, that the Lord is a provider and God is able to take just a little bit and make a whole lot out of it, this is the story, this is the go-to story that we use. It was when that great multitude of some 5,000 men, and I've heard a lot of folks say that that could have been just men and then there would have been others there, ladies and children. I don't know exactly, but 5,000 all by itself is a lot of people. Especially when you're away from the city and you're out in this wilderness place and they have been hearing the ministry and the teaching of Jesus for a period of time here. And the scripture says that the disciples come and tell him, said, we can't send them away like this. They've been here, been so faithfully listening and, and observing the teaching of the word of God. And uh, we, we don't want to send them out hungry lest they faint by the way on their traveling back home. 
And so the Lord immediately asked them, he said, what do you have to feed them? Why don't you feed them? And they look among themselves and they said, you know what, we've gathered up our little little bit of money and we don't have a lot of it and it's not enough. What is it to feed so many? We, we don't have enough to feed this congregation. And he said, well, let's, let's look around a little bit. And, and they found this lad that had, uh, he was the only one that had any forethought or at least his mother had the forethought of packing a lunch. And he was the only one among that great multitude that had anything to offer, five, five loaves and two fish. And the scripture says, even when they saw that, they said, what is it among so many? It's such a meager amount. Has anybody ever felt that way before? You felt like what I have to give, what I have to offer, what I can contribute, it just seems like so little. You know, that's not the point. What God wants us to do is use what we have. He can bless if we're willing to put it in his hands. He can multiply if we're willing to put it in his hands. If we're not selfish with it and if we're not intimidated to just let him use it and place it in his hands God can make something great out of it Amen. Somebody said, well, I don't know. I can't do this and I can't do that. And they allow themselves to be intimidated and pushed back into a corner somewhere and shelled and feel like that I'm not a real integral part of the church. Baloney, you are an integral part of the church. Amen. There is something that you can contribute. That little lad, he came that day. He was feeling like maybe he was the most insignificant person in the group that was there. But he didn't realize God was going to take that little handful that he had and make something great out of it. And so what am I saying to you? When you come to God, you just have to have faith that God, this is what I got. You're able to multiply it. You're able to use it. Here it is. I'm available. I'm going to give you my best worship. I'm going to give you all I got. I'm going to give you my best talents. I'm not going to hold anything back. Here it is. I need you to multiply it and give me a miracle with it. Bible says that there was 5,000 or however many else that there were there that was fed and filled and there was 12 baskets that remained. Indicating to us that it wasn't just enough but it was more than enough to meet the need. God doesn't work in minimums. God doesn't work in just enough. God never just gives enough. Amen. He always works in excess. He always works in abundance. He's always greater than the problem. He's always greater than the challenge. He's always got more than, oh, that ought to make somebody shouting happy tonight. It doesn't matter how big that thing is in your life. You know, sometimes we size things up by its title or by its name, and we get intimidated by when the doctor says cancer, we shiver all over. But to God, it's no more than a headache. I'm telling you, God doesn't look at it any differently because he works in abundance. He said, I got power to heal. I got power to save. I got power to do this and a whole lot more. Come on, if you believe that, you ought to give him some praise right now. So you, you talk about, this is a great miracle. These folks have never seen anything like this. I mean, it's awesome. I don't know what they was necessarily doing, but I, I know they had to when they've gone, when they, when they were dismissed and they went home, 
and, and they saw this great miracle. I, I, I can just imagine. They couldn't hardly wait to tell friends and family members and people throughout the villages and the countryside of what the Lord had done. They were shouting. They were rejoicing. Miracles were happening. And then the Lord continues to teach this group of people. And he says to them, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall have no life. And then, as if that wasn't enough, he keeps on driving that same thought home to them. The Bible says in verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? The Lord didn't back up. The Lord didn't say, well, let me run that by you again. Let me soften it up for you. Let me put some milk toast on that. Let, let me serve that in a way it'd be palatable to you. No, he just looked at them and he said, does this offend you? That's what he said. He said, doth this, doth this offend you? And then in verse 66, he, it says, from that time, because he reiterates again, unless you eat of my blood or drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you can have no part in me. And they said, whoa, this is, this is getting radical now. This is requiring something. I like that miracle stuff. I like that signs and wonders stuff. I like it when, when things are... I mean, I like that high church stuff, but don't be talking to me about that commitment. Don't don't be talking about that real uh, when it gets down to the brass tacks and eating eating flesh and drinking the blood. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And the Bible says in John chapter six and verse sixty six, uh, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. What did Jesus do? He said, "Oh, I'm sorry." Please come back. I'll soften up if you come back. If you please come to my church, I promise you I won't preach no more of that. I won't talk about commitment like that no more. I won't, I won't deliver that type of a message of commitment anymore to you. No, he didn't say that. The scripture says, then Jesus said, will ye also go away? And Simon Peter, I want you to recognize this. He said, you know what? That may have been a hard saying for all of them. That may have been something they weren't able to digest. That may have been something that they weren't able to receive, uh, that they were not able uh, to, to, to get a hold of, and they didn't want to hear. But the Bible said in verse 68, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Where could we go from here? Amen. You have everything that we need. If we're going to have eternal life, if we're going to be saved, we're not going to find it outside of you. There's nowhere else for us to go. And I just want to say, if you're going to make the transition from what you are to what God wants you to be, you're going to, be a, you're going to have to be able to receive the preaching of the Word of God when it goes forth. You're going, to be, you're going to have to be able to receive preaching that is not always palatable. And it's not always what you like. And it's not always appealing to this flesh. It's a hard saying sometimes to receive it. But nevertheless, I want to be saved. I want to be right with God. I want to make heaven. So I want to have the attitude, God, I'm not just hungry for the miracles, the loaves, the bread, amen, the fish, but God, amen, if it takes drinking blood and eating flesh, I'm committed. I'm all in. I'm sold 
about because I want to be saved. Oh, come on. Let's give some praise to him. Uh, you can't you can't receive. You're, you're going to have to receive. You're going to have to survive, as it were, the hard things. Amen. You're going to have to receive the word of God into your heart. You cannot be easily offended. I've never seen a generation that's so easily offended. And I'll just be honest with you, sometimes very petty in the things that they can be offended by. Little old something. Little old something. I mean, you know, I'm talking about thousands of people right here in our community going to hell. I'm talking about 7 billion plus in this world and the majority of them lost. And we're going to worry about some little something. I'm going to tell you, we got to get over that, my friend. And we got to realize it's bigger than that. I said it's bigger than that. Amen. Preaching doesn't have to be watered down. Preaching doesn't have to be palatable to my liking. Amen. But I want the Word of God. I want to hear the preaching of the Word of God. I realize that this is a development process. And through hearing the Word of God, you're forming me. You're fashioning me into what you want me to become. God, I don't want you to discard me. I don't want you to throw me away in the potter's field. But God put me back on that wheel. Carve on me a little more. Take off the rough edges. Put your hands on me. Apply some pressure if need be. But don't let me be lost. Don't let me get off the rails. Don't let me go to hell comfortably. I'd rather be a little miserable for a little while and hear the message that corrects me and gets me back on track than to be lost. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So it's hard sayings. Amen. The Lord asked hard things of us sometimes, or at least it's hard to our flesh. It's really not that hard to live for God. Unless you have the attitude that you're going you're gonna to try to do it uh, so it's comfortable for you, and you're going to try to live for God easy, then that's when it becomes hard. I'm going to tell you what's really hard. The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. Living in the world and living for the devil, that's a hard life. Amen. The wages of sin, those are hard to pay. Praise God. But living for God is riches and blessings in eternal life. And it's worth it. I said it's worth it, my friend, to live for God. So Simon, if you're ever going to become Cephas, you're going to have to receive the hard saying. Amen. And then in Matthew chapter number 16, the Bible tells us uh, that there is, is a period of time here. We understand in the Word of God in, in, in Matthew chapter number 16 that uh, Jesus is talking about the future persecution that is going to take place and, uh, and, uh, and all of that that is going to transpire and how that there's a cross and that they're going to go into Jerusalem, and they're going to be persecuted there. And before all of that, the Bible says that Jesus asked his disciples a question. He said, whom do men say that I am? And they said some. Some said that you're, 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 you're Elijah. Some say, uh, you know, that you're uh, Jeremiah. Some say John the Baptist. And 
And then finally he said, hey, hey, wait a minute. I want to know whom do you say that I am? Finally, it was Simon Peter that stood up in boldness and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus complimented him and said, flesh and blood have not revealed that to you. He said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood had not revealed that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, I want to tell you, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That had to make Simon Peter feel pretty good, don't you think? The Lord is complimenting him and saying, man, you're receiving things straight from heaven. I mean, you're, you're, you're on target. You're, you're, you're on stride. You're in tune with what's going on here. This is powerful. But hold on. Just a few verses later in that same chapter, the scripture says that he gets talking about the cross. He gets talking about persecution. And Peter stands up and says, hold on just a minute. You remember, I'm the one that's got the revelation here. Hold on just a minute. He said, I, and the Bible said that he even had so much about him as that he rebuked, he rebuked the Lord. And he said, be it far from thee that that would ever happen to you. I mean, that, 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 that no way can be the will of God. That cannot possibly be what is to happen Things is going good. I mean, we're, we're getting a revelation of what's going on. We're getting a revelation of the kingdom here. But I want you to notice in verse 23, Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that, are, that be of man. Hold on just a minute. Just a few Verses ago, he's complimenting him. He's telling him that flesh and blood has not revealed these things to him. He's talking to him about this great revelation that he'd received. And now he wheels around and says, get thee behind me, Satan. What is going on here? Amen. What is taking place here? One minute he's complaining, or one minute he's complimenting him, rather, and the other minute uh, it, it seems like he is complaining about uh, and rebuking him and saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. And you say, What is it about this that has to do with Simon Peter's journey? I'll tell you what it is. Uh, you have to be able to survive the ups and the downs of life. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're up here and everything's going good and the wind's in your back. It couldn't get any better. It's awesome. Uh, I'm just serving God on the mountaintop. I'm in cloud nine. Everything is wonderful. It's all Shekinah glory. But sometimes uh, there's going to be times when you don't feel like that. Uh, there's going to be times when you don't have that affirmation that you'd like. You don't feel what you'd like to feel. You don't experience like what you'd like to experience. Uh, but you you have to make up your mind through the ups and the downs. I know this is just part of the journey. Amen. I'm not going to stay in this valley. I'm not going to stay in this low place. I'm not going to stay in this state that I'm in right now. But as sure as I got here, I'm coming out of it. 
As sure as I walked into this valley, I'm going to walk out the other side of it. As sure as I stepped into this time of trial, there's coming a day when it's going to be over with and I'm going to have victory and I'm going to overcome. I want to preach to somebody here tonight and tell you in the Holy Ghost, through the ups and downs, God is still faithful. And if you're going to ever become what God wants you to become, you got to live for God consistently in the ups and the downs of life. Come on, throw back your head and let's give him some praise right now. Woo! Hallelujah. So you got to be able, you got to be able to survive or endure the ups and the downs. But he said, Lo, I'll be with you. Amen. It doesn't matter where you're at and what you're going. I'll be with you to the end of the world. You're not by yourself. You're not on your own. I'm going to be there with you. You're not facing this by yourself, but you are going to be able to make it because of whom you have on your team, who you have on your side. Oh, that ought to make somebody, it, it ought to encourage somebody's faith tonight to realize that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That wasn't all in the journey from Simon to Cephas. Luke chapter 32. Luke chapter 32. We see an instance here. Or excuse me. In Luke chapter 22 in verse 35. And it said. And he said unto them. When I sent you without purse or script or shoes. Lacked you anything? And they said nothing. Then he said, or then unto them, said he unto them, but now he that hath a purse, let him take it. Now let me clarify what that purse was there, just in case you're wondering. That was a, a briefcase. Nice manly one. Not no man purse. Oh yeah. But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, look at this, let him sell his garment and buy one. If you got an extra coat, sell that coat and get you a sword. For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. He said, we found two swords. You, which one would we take? we just take one? He said, unto them it is enough. In other words, take both of them. You might need them. He said, man, you know, I got this. I mean, he... I'm all about this. This is this is wonderful. But read on down there and get to Matthew 26 and the story of when they're in the garden and Simon Peter's standing there and they come to arrest the Lord. And he said, yeah, I got my sword. And he yanks it out. And he said, you're not going to get Jesus. I mean, he gave me permission to have the sword. Whack. 
Or I guess that's how it sounds. And I mean, you can say what you want to, but he wasn't aiming for the ear. He wasn't trying to cut his ear off. He was trying to cut his head off. And he missed. And he hit his ear. And that's why the Lord said to him, put up again thy sword. Because if you live by the sword, it's obvious you're going to die by the sword. And it rebuked him. Now, can you imagine Simon Peter scratching his head there? He said, back there, you told us if we didn't, if we didn't have a sword and we had an extra coat or something, to sell it, have a garage sale, and go out and get a sword. And if we could, find two of them. And now you're telling me to put it up and not use it. I'm confused about it. I'm going to tell you in life, you have to survive periods of time when things don't make sense to you. Come on, anybody here when I'm preaching here tonight? There's times that walking by faith doesn't make a lick of sense to you. There's times that being obedient to God may not make a lick of sense to your flesh. There's times that worship is not going to be appealing to your flesh. There's times it's not going to make sense. For when the devil's been attacking you, he's been on you, he's been trying to do everything he can to dissuade you, and you come to the house of God, and he tells you you ought to sit there and be quiet and remain silent. But there's something in you that raises up. It said I may not understand it But I got faith he's still in control I got faith That he's able to work in my life I'm going to lift my hands and praise him anyway I'm going to lift my voice And worship him anyhow I'm going to sing I'm going to praise the Lord anyhow Come on let's give some praise to him right now It may not make sense But I'm still praising the Lord I may not understand it, but I'm still praising the Lord. And I've watched, I've watched people right here in this congregation facing unexplained, I mean crazy, illnesses that came upon them all of a sudden. I remember about a year or so back, Brother Blue that's here. I mean, all of a sudden type of thing. Not something that's explained, that you could really explain. Something that nobody had heard of, and I still can't pronounce it. Amen. But you know what? I noted during that trial, there was a desire. Amen. That I may not understand it. It makes absolutely no sense, and I'm not even sure at this point how to treat it or how to overcome it. But I just got faith in God that he's in control and I'm not giving up and throwing in the towel in the midst of the process. That'd be a foolish thing to do is to charge God at this point. But I'm just going to serve God and worship God through it. I'm going to keep living for God and having faith through it. I may not understand. It makes no sense to me, but I'm still here. And as long as I've got bread in my body, I'm going to serve God and be faithful to Him. And He stands here today because while it didn't make sense, He didn't let it kill His faith. He didn't let it destroy His determination to serve God there's a whole lot of things that don't make sense along the journey but I'm telling you Simon if you ever want to become Cephas you've got to understand that God's in control of this thing come on lift up your voice again and let's praise him together right now I'm just about through you got to survive those times when it doesn't make sense to you. 
Amen. You know, matter of fact, the devil will come up and tell you, this, this, this doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't make any kind of sense at all for you to come to church tonight after all that you've been facing and going through. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for you to give sacrificially. It doesn't make any sense for you to continue to pay your tithes. It doesn't make any sense for you to continue to trust God and believe God, not after what the doctor said to you. I want to tell you, while it may not make sense right here, it always makes sense right here. I said it always makes sense down deep within to follow the Holy Ghost and to live for God and to serve the Lord and to do God's will in our lives. Oh, I just feel like somebody ought to give him a wave offering right now. Man, I feel something building right now and welling up right now in my heart. Woo! Oh, yes! Come on, stand to your feet with me. I, I feel the Holy Ghost interrupting things right now. It's not a contradiction. You'll understand it. If you just give it some time and trust God, you'll understand it's not a contradiction. It's just in that period that you're in right now, it seems that way. Continue to stand with me as the musicians come. Luke 22. We understand that Jesus has denied, or Peter has denied the Lord. Simon, the Bible says, three times, just as Jesus had said, and I preached about it last Sunday. The Bible says that on three separate occasions, in just a few short verses, he said, I never knew him. He said it two times in the oath, and the third time he cursed as if to try to convince them that I don't know the man. And the Bible said immediately, the rooster crows. And he was somewhere in the proximity of where the Lord was. And the Bible says in Luke 22 and 61, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. And as I preached last weekend, he went out and wept bitterly. He went out and he wept bitterly. The Bible said the Lord turned and looked at him, but he didn't say anything to him. He just looked at him. I'm going to tell you, in your walk with God, there are going to be periods of time that you're going to have to learn how to endure the silence of God. You're going to have to be patient in well-doing. You're going to have to not faint in the process, as it were. And you're going to have to endure the silence of God. We want God to speak up. We want the thunder to roll. We want, we want to see the lightning flash. We want to have the answer forthcoming. Sometimes God remains silent. Simon, if you're going to become... Cephas, you're going to have to learn to survive that period of time when it seems like God is silent. Daniel knew what Simon was dealing with. He prayed and he fasted. And the Bible says that he prayed for 21 days. 
and nothing seemed to break. Nothing seemed to happen. And finally, a messenger angel came to him and told him, and said, from the first day that you bent your knees and started praying, God went to work. God began to move. And he said, God sent Michael out to do the job. But, but the, the prince of Persia rose up and intercepted him and, and tried to, to stop and to hinder what God was doing. And he, he's going he's gonna to be victorious and he's going to win. But the important thing I want to tell you and encourage you with is don't stop now, Daniel. Don't quit now. It may seem like all of heaven is silent, but that's not the full picture of things. It could be that in that time and period of silence that God... God is working for you. It could be that God is performing the miracle that you've been praying about. Uh, though you don't see it, uh, though it's obscured from you, though you haven't heard from God, though you can't see what's happening, God is still working on your behalf. So history tells us, history tells us, That he did, in fact, continue to make it through the persecutions, the trials, and he became the great apostolic preacher on the day of Pentecost, anointed to see 3,000 souls saved. A few chapters later, 5,000 souls are saved. If you study what Simon means, it means to hear and obey. That's what that name means. And Cephas, of course, it means stone or rock. I'm going to tell you, if you're ever going to become the rock in the church that you need to be, if you're ever going to become that foundational stone that you need to be in your family, it's going to be because that you have the faith to hear and obey the Word of God even when it doesn't make sense, even when it seems like God is silent, even through the ups and the downs of life. You just say, God, I'm going to remain faithful. This is part of my development and I am going to be the stone. I'm going to be the rock that God wants me to be. I'm going to be that stable saint of God. That's why when Herod said, I'm going, to, I'm going to take Simon's head off. I'm going to behead him just like I did James. He said, yeah, <laughs> this is what you think. And he fell back and went to sleep because he had a word from God. The Bible said in John chapter 21, in 18, he said, the time is going to come. The time is going to come that they're going to stretch forth your hands and they're going to guide you when you're old. In other words, he was speaking about him being in captivity. He said, there's going to be a time that you're not going to even be able to gird yourself. Amen. So it's not going to happen now while you're still a young man. He said, the scripture, uh, the word of the Lord has already been confirmed to me that I'm not, I'm not, it doesn't matter what the devil thinks or what he plans to do. It doesn't matter what Herod has on the agenda. God's not through with me yet and I'm not dying until my appointed time. But when the day came that they led him away to crucify him, as tradition says, I think it's in the book of Josephus, the historical accounts, and we know that there's other traditions like this that has been carried on. And I went over to Rome and they took us down that road or that place where they believed that Simon Peter was led away to be crucified.
And the tradition holds that he made the statement. He said, I only got one request. If you're going to crucify me, my Lord has already been crucified. And I don't stand worthy to be crucified like him. He said, so crucify me upside down if that's what you choose to do. But don't crucify me like the Lord because I'm not worthy to be crucified like this. And so somebody that's standing in the crowd, they said, who, who, who's the man that's being crucified today? Who's the man? Who's the criminal that's on the cross? And they said, well, I think his name is Simon. Oh, but I think when heaven looked down on that situation, they said, no, that's not Simon. That's Cephas there. That's a man that didn't give up. That's a man that listened and obeyed obeyed and followed God in faith and he became a foundational stone in the church. He became a man of God. He became a person that could be depended on. When he came to God, he had some rough edges, but he said, I'm going to develop you and I'm going to make something out of you. I'm going to take this man that doesn't seem like much and I'm going to make him a rock. I'm going to make him a stone that I'm going to build my church upon. Perhaps there's somebody in this place tonight. Amen. What you are right now, don't let the devil put that tag on you and say that's the end. Don't, don't let the enemy say that's the label that I've got to accept for the rest of my life. Or that's the limits of my potential. Or that's all that I can ever be for God. That's a lie. That's a lie. Amen. But I wonder if there's anybody that says I... Know that God has called me to be a rock. God has called me to do great things in his kingdom. I may not be there yet. Amen. I, I may not be all that I desire to be for God just yet, but I am going to become greater for him, and he's going to develop me. I want you to step out.